0: Book three, Chapter 19 of Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Strangers and Pilgrims, Book Three, Chapter 19. But dead? All's done with. Wait who may, watch and wear and wonder who will. Oh, my whole life that ends today. Oh, my soul's sentence sounding still, the woman is dead that was none of his, and the man that was none of hers may go. No gloomy forebodings, no selfish repinings ever fell from the lips of Elizabeth after that sad day by the sea. A gentle thoughtfulness, a sweet serenity lent a mournful charm to her manner and spiritualized her beauty. She was only sorry for him. For that faithful lover from whose side relentless death too soon must call her away. Her own regrets had been of the briefest. These few summer months spent wholly with Malcolm Ford, in so perfect and complete a union, held enough happiness for a common lifetime. ''It cannot matter very much if one spreads one's life over years, or squanders it in a summer,'' she said with her old smile so long as one lives. I don't suppose all the rest of Cleopatra's jewels ever gave her half so much pleasure as that one pearl she melted in vinegar. And if I had been with you for twenty summers, Malcolm, could we ever have had a happier one than this? We have been very happy, darling. And if God spares you, we may have many another summer as sweet as this. If but you know that will not be. Oh Malcolm, don't try to deceive me with false hopes, for fear you should end by deceiving yourself. Let us make the best of our brief span, without a thought beyond the present, except such thoughts as you will teach me, my education for heaven. The time came, alas, how swiftly, when it would have been too bitter a mockery to speak of earthly hope, when these two, living to themselves alone, as if unconscious of an external world, and those about them, knew that the end was very near. The shadow hovered ever at her side. At any moment, like a sudden cloud that drifts across the sunlight, death's mystic veil might fall upon the face Malcolm Ford loved, and leave them side by side, yet worlds asunder. She was very patient enduring pain and weakness, with a gentle heroism that touched all around her. "'It is not much to suffer pain,' she said one day, when Malcolm had praised her patience. "'Lying here, in the air and sunshine, with my hand in yours, after after what I suffered last winter, in silence and solitude, with cruel jailers who dragged me about with their rough hands, and with my mind full of confused thoughts of you— thinking you were near me, and in the next moment you would appear and rescue me, and yet with a half-consciousness of that being only a dream, and you far away, it seems very little to bear, this labouring breath and this hacking cough, after that. All his life was given up to her service. Reading to her, talking to her, watching her fitful slumbers as she grew weaker her nights became still more wakeful and she dozed at intervals through the day all his reading was from one inspired volume he had offered to read other things lest she should weary of those divine pages but she refused i was not always religiously disposed she said but in my most degenerate days i always felt the sublimity of the bible at her special request he read her all the epistles of saint paul lingering upon particular chapters she in her stronger moments questioning him earnestly about the great apostle do you know why my mind dwells so much upon saint paul she asked him one day oh, there are a hundred reasons for your admiration of one who was only second to his divine master Oh yes i have always appreciated his greatness in thought and deed only there was another reason for my admiration his likeness to you elizabeth with a warning look an old look which she remembered in the holy days when his worshippers at all confessed to being more or less afraid of him is it wrong to make such a comparison after all you know st paul was a human being before he was a saint his fearlessness his untiring energy his exultant spirit so strong in direst extremity, so great in the hour of peril, all remind me of you, or of what you seem to me at Hawley. And you will go on in the same road, Malcolm, when I am no longer a stumbling block and a hindrance in your way. You will go on, rejoicing through good and evil, with the great end always before you, like that first apostle of the gentiles whose strong right arm broke down the walls of heathendom and i if there were any thought or feeling in the grave i should be so proud of having once been loved by you Malcolm. i have a good deal of money have i not she asked him one day aunt Chevenix told me i was left very well off although lord paulyn died without a will i was to have a third of his personal property or something like that yes dearest and does that come to very much oh about 70000 pounds 70000 she repeated opening her eyes very wide and to think how poor papa used to grumble about writing a cheque for four or five pounds Oh, i wish i could have had a little of my seventy thousand advanced to me then ought i not to make a will malcolm Oh, it seems to me hardly necessary your sisters are your natural heirs and they are the only people who would inherit they would have all my money then among them yes she made no farther inquiries and he was glad to change the drift of their talk but when he came at his usual hour next morning He met a little man in black attended by an overgrown youth with a blue bag on the doorstep and on the point of departing congratulate me on my business-like habits malcolm elizabeth said smiling at him from her sofa by the window i have just made my will my dearest why trouble yourself to do that when we'd already settled that no will was necessary he said seating himself in the chair beside her pillows, a chair which was kept sacred to his use, the sisters yielding him the right to be nearest to her always at this time. I had not settled anything of the kind. Seventy thousand would have been a great deal too much for my sisters. It would have turned their heads. I have left them thirty thousand in, um, or what do you call those things, consoles. A sure three hundred a year for each of them, the lawyer says. And I have left five thousand to Hilda Disney, whom I always detested, but who is next to nothing of her own poor creature. And the rest I've left to you, for your mission, Malcolm." He bent down to kiss the pale forehead, but words were slow to come. "'Let this be as you wish, dearest,' he said at last. I need no such remembrance of you, but it will be my proudest labour to raise a fitting memorial of your love. In every one of those islands I have told you about, God granting me life to complete the task, there shall be an English church dedicated to St. Elizabeth. Your name shall sound sweet in the ears of my proselytes at the farther end of the world. The end came soon after this a sultry twilight, faint stars far apart in a cloudless opal sky, the last splendour of the sunset fading slowly along the edge of the western sea-line. She was lying in her favourite spot by the open window, her sisters grouped at one end of the sofa, Malcolm in his place at the other, his strong arm supporting her, his shoulder the pillow for her tired head. Malcolm. Do you remember the day of our picnic at Lawborough Beaches? Centuries ago it seems to me. Have I ever forgotten any day or hour we spent together? Yes dear, I remember perfectly. And how we went down the table in that big clumsy old boat and you told me the story of your first love? Yes dear, I remember. You could never have guessed what a wicked creature I was that day. But you did think me ill-tempered, didn't you? I feared I had grieved or offended you. Oh, it was not temper or grief or anything of the kind. It was sheer wickedness, wicked jealousy of that good girl who died. I envied her, Malcolm. Envied her the joy of dying in your arms. No answer save a passionate kiss on the cold forehead. I did not think it would be my turn one day, she went on slowly, looking up at him with those lovely eyes clouded by death's awful shadow. I did not think that these dear arms would hold me too in life's last hour. That the last earthly sight my fading eyes should see would be the eyes I love. Oh, no, Malcolm. No, not with that look of pain. I am quite happy. End of Book Three, Chapter 19 End of Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braddon